0: is Paired with Politics with Nick and Logan. Today we're going to be talking about the media in America.
1: And we're going to be pairing our conversation with a California red blend called The Whole Shebang, which seems pretty appropriate for the, the conversation piece.
0: So Logan and I, like most folks, um, enjoy getting tipsy um, and talking about politics. And we thought, hey, why not record it, throw it on the internet. Today is our inaugural episode, so uh, you might notice that we're a little rusty.
1: Or a little bit new.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it took us about 20 20 minutes to decide how we were going to uh, do our introduction.
1: But from here on out, uh, we'll have a couple drinks, so maybe it'll smooth out. Okay.
0: So today we're going to be talking about the press. Specifically, we're going to look at the delineation of uh, free and fair media through the lens of fake news. Now, Logan, you were just recently talking to me about Uh, this study from some Stanford economists?
1: Yes. So um, there are two Stanford economists who wanted to research how much fake news actually affect the 2016 election. And so what they did was kind of gather all the fake news sources that had been flagged by PolitiFacts and Snopes and all those things and looked at what people were sharing on their Facebooks. And what they came up with was that 14% of Americans considered social media their dominant source of information before the election. I mean, do you think that that's a significant amount to even worry about? Or?
0: Well, the number alone, 14%, I mean, that's going to be significant on anything.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: 14% of anything is just it's just insane. Um, uh, the day of the election, one of the most popular fake news stories actually was shared more than real news, and that was the story that the Pope gave his his quote-unquote blessings for President Trump, which is just complete bullshit. And
1: I actually saw that on my Facebook. Did you see it? I saw it like two or three times on my Facebook. So I thought that that was interesting that these uh, Stanford economists were talking about this. But and, uh, and the other statistic that they came out with was that it turns out that the average voter saw just a bit less than one fake news story over the three months prior to the election. So I know that it's anecdotal for me to say that I saw that shared two to three times before um, the election, but it just is true. And so I wonder if... I mean, I understand that they're using their, um, their methods to figure this out, and it's probably accurate, but I don't know, like... Yeah, and I think
0: I think it really goes back because, so, fake news is... You know, that's the problems we use now. And it's really easy to say fake news. I mean, Donald Trump says it all the time when he says, you know, CNN is fake news. But it kind of... It puts the label on this, honestly, years-long, maybe decades-long, growing distrust of um, the media.
1: Right. I mean, I think that Trump is... Using you know this anecdotal evidence, like I saw the, that, that article pop up three times on my Facebook or whatever, um, people take that to mean and think that that fake news is more ubiquitous than it actually is. Um, and so he's transferring that into the, our mainstream and regular media, media sources and continuing to burn that fire, right? I mean, so these two Stanford economists found out that um, one fake news article would have to have the same persuasive effect as 36 television campaign ads to have actually affected the election one way or another. So, I mean, I, I think that with those kind of statistics together, it shows that fake news wasn't as significant as people would like to believe it is. I think that fake news on the liberal side was a explainer, like it explained why it happened. And on the conservative side, it's turned into fodder for more um, fighting and suppression of free, free speech, basically. Sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. I agree with that.
1: Um, the other thing that I was talking about was that um, so how prevalent do you think that fake news really is? I just saw on my Facebook feed like 10 minutes ago, somebody reposted something about arsenic and wine and how um, there are lawyers who are suing 89 California wineries for uh, high levels of arsenic. But when I went to look at it, that article was from 2015. And when you follow up on it, it actually, the lawsuit got dropped because, and in favor of the wineries because the amount of arsenic was no higher than what's in regular drinking water. And, um, it's just like, we're people being allowed to share things that are old and useless in some ways is fake news. And sure. it's,
0: but I am not actually, no, I disagree with that. I don't think that's fake news. It's just, it's just an unfollowed up or unreported on source. Fake news is something like the Pope endorses Donald Trump. That's just a straight out lie.
1: Right. But the thing is, is that when The way that people post and share things on social media, the title of the article was Is Wine Making Us Sick? There's High Levels of Arsenic in California Wines. So somebody who's just... Yeah, it's clickbait and it's...
0: But doesn't necessarily mean it's fake news.
1: Yeah, but, but it's giving somebody who doesn't go and click the article and see it's from 2015 and then follow up on the article to find out that it was in 2016, mm-hmm. is there, that's not even a problem, and it was total bullshit, basically, sees that and thinks, oh, maybe I should stop. And there's a picture of, like, naked wine or a picture of, um, like, really well-known things like mm-hmm. Franzi and all that kind of stuff. It hurts their branding, not that I'm standing up for, like, corporate entities so much, but it's just bullshit, basically. Like, the only way to battle that is just... I don't know. It, it influences the way that people think without being true anymore. And that's what social media is doing. And I think that that had an effect on the election.
0: No, I I think, it's a, I think it's a modern manifestation of something that people have always done, which is kind of passed on bullshit. I mean, it goes to, you know, sitting in, like, getting your hair cut at a barbershop and just somebody saying oh did you hear this and then you go home and you pass it on maybe it's a little bit more amplified now in social media but I don't think this is a modern phenomenon
1: yeah I mean but it is amplified that's the problem to what point is that amplification hurting just daily comings and goings and especially when it comes to the government and how we think about our elected officials like our president or our past president sure well
0: I mean what's your solution
1: Um, I don't know. I mean, I looked into what Facebook is trying to do to fix this and Facebook has decided that they're going to have an ability for people to flag things that they think are possibly fake. And then they're going to have third party fact checkers check it, you know, outside of Facebook if it is confirmed by multiple sources to be fake, then basically what Facebook is going to do is put, like, a banner on it to say, beware, this has been considered fake by so-and-so fact-checkers. So they're not stopping people from posting it, but it will say, you know, underneath it, like, this has been considered fake news. So
0: Well, that's not, that's not new. They started doing that a year or two ago with satire websites like The Onion. I mean, if they're really... To me, that's kind of a cop out. If you're asking people who don't necessarily know if it's fake news or not to flag it as fake news, so that they can then
1: th-
0: they can then decide if it's fake news, that's that's passing the buck.
1: You think so? I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, I think at this point, it's part of their duty as a platform to. Well, that's the
0: problem. They're still considering themselves a platform and a social media website. When, if you look at. If you look at it, they're they're a media website. They're a media company. They're a conglomerate. I mean, they're they're choosing to promote um, stories, whether or not it's true or not.
1: Right. So you think that they should have even more? They influence. should have
0: an editorial standard. Absolutely.
1: You think that Facebook should have an editorial standard?
0: Yeah, absolutely. They.
1: Isn't this them having an editorial standard by having no. third parties? This would be like
0: New York Times posting whatever the fuck they wanted to and waiting for letters to the editor to correct them. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, I agree with you.
0: All right, so that was a pretty good dress down of Facebook and its role. Um, I want to do a quick wine check-in. It was pretty good wine.
1: It is. I actually really (laughs) like it.
0: It was just a nice little red wine.
1: I'm already, like, tipsy. I've had, like, one glass, and that's unusual for me, to be honest. <laughs>
0: well, that's one glass since we actually started recording.
1: Dun-dun-dun.
0: <laughs> so, I guess moving up to how, you know, so that's 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 election stuff. So, post-election, we're at the point where Donald Trump um, and his his mouthpieces, Shouty Spice want Chowdy to shouty
1: spies. how
0: they want to you uh, mean
1: Melissa McCarthy Melissa McCarthy <laughs> wants
0: to um, how they keep spouting that stuff is fake news you know calling res- reputable sources fake news and
1: yeah so yeah even uh, Fox News's Shepard Smith stood up for CNN and said that it is insane what President Trump is doing right now by calling groups like CNN fake news. I mean, it's even touching one of the sources that I had always considered and most people have always considered a conservative-leaning group. Not like, yeah,
0: most people. They have the highest rated news cast.
1: That's fair. Yeah, that's very fair. But but I would even say that their viewers would consider it conservative because they themselves are largely conservative or, you know. But anyway, I mean, th- this is breaching sides basically at this point. This is a bipartisan issue that our president is pushing beyond what is allowable in terms of free media and free speech. Yeah,
0: and I think it goes back to, you know, Trump's style. He always needs a bogeyman. He needs an enemy. Um, he needs a punching bag. Um, for him to Alright, so we'll go back go back to the election real quick. And there's a great slate piece about looking back on Donald Trump, the ultimate media manipulator, the ultimate showman, you know, he had this great visual where he quite literally had the media, a lot of the reporters that were covering his rallies, behind barriers. You know, if you were looking at that and he pointed to you and said, look, what we did, we captured the media, the enemy. Um, This goes back, it's a continuation, I think, of that now where he's, sidelining certain press corps during media gaggles where he's Just straight up attacking to continue this us, you know Trump and his supporters versus them um, The media which to be fair aren't Looked upon fairly by not just conservative supporters, but a large swath of the American population
1: well, a lot of that, do you think, is based on that there are so many other sources to get your information from. <laughs> like now there are blogs and just anything that you want, you can find your select group of people that believe the way you do and get your news from them, basically. So it's um, the, the mainstream media are the ones that are strong enough to hold on, basically. They're the ones that have enough money or enough whatever to continue to...
0: Yeah, that uh, was an uh, owner of the New York Times said. If anything, the the attacks have boosted sales. So I mean, I guess there's that. You know, if perhaps this saves print media as a as an institution, that would be
1: but pretty funny. Don't you think that it's going to be like an unfortunate result because it's going to save maybe some select print media, and then that's going to continue to. I don't know. I think what we're doing is. Uh, like it's strange right the more I think about it we're creating some very strong mainstream media sources by supporting them because we know that they have editorial standards and they check their work and that's going to be great for them in the long run but we're also killing our local media sources and our local news sources that have so long been useful especially in politics local news sources are the ones that see when kind of Crazy bad shit is going on in their in their small town and bring it to light, kind of like Flint, Michigan, like in deleg delegitimizing. Media. Well, the local
0: media isn't that the death of local media is not that's not a corollary with Trump. That's just kind of
1: well, no, news yeah, in the making. Yeah, news in the making, but as this continues, like this is gonna be worse and worse. Like Trump is delegitimizing delegit- mainstream large news sources. And as a society, we're decreasing funding for our local media sources, which bring out scandals and things like, hey, bad water sources are hurting people in Flint, Michigan, something like that. That's when other news sources pick up those stories and escalate them to a national level which now the president is saying is fake news. So there's multiple okay, yeah. levels of delegitimization going on here that's hurting the everyday person. And it's all because we're selecting news based on what we're already interested in.
0: Well, There's also, and yeah, I totally agree, um, taking away the power of you know major media might have this unintended consequences that a lot of, Folks who are cheering on Trump, who are kind of saying, "Yeah, you take down, you take down Washington Post." They're not thinking ahead to say, "Hey, there. What if there's a major natural disaster or a terrorist attack, or there's some unforeseen event that the traditional relationship between the media and say, a say presidential or government administration that partnership is going to be deteriorated so much that we." may end up in a in a place where we don't know who to trust. We don't know what is real. You know, how is Donald Trump going to feed information that could save lives to a source that he's lampooned as fake news from from his inception of his candidacy through into the beginning of his presidency?
1: I mean, that's assuming that Donald Trump would want to be saving his the liberal Americans, you know, like at well, this point. Well, it's not we just ha-
0: liberal Americans. I mean, right? Natural disasters can happen anywhere.
1: Exactly, they can happen anywhere. But so far, we haven't seen him. He keeps saying these things like we need to work together and all that stuff. But it, it's only when it comes to liberals need to work together with Republicans. It hasn't been the other way around where he's reaching out. I mean, there's well, a, a, a great playbook. example. That's a that's it's,
0: a politician's playbook.
1: Right. But I mean, a, a great example is this week with the um, replacement for the Ac- Affordable Care Act, where Republicans were basically hiding in a room and not letting people come in to see their replacement bill. I mean, that's not how the the world should work, because that's ostracizing individuals, you know, lampooning a news source and then needing it later. I mean, at some point, they're are instances where you have to reach across the aisle and you have to work with your fellow senators and your fellow congressmen to get something done. And I'm saying the replacement is kind of one of those examples. Sure, yeah.
0: So, like a couple weeks ago when the gaggle, the media gaggle where Sean Spicer last minute decided not to invite certain news sources, I mean, that's just part of this long-term strategy of destabilizing the media. Uh, Maybe look at if you look at uh, Steve Bannon, Alex Jones, traditional, traditionally considered very far right news sources, new media sources, these folks have the ear of the president. Um, it's not. It's definitely not a traditional relationship to the media, and that's what I think is worrying. Is that so? What is Alex Jones <laughs> going to go on Infowars and say? Oh my God, there's a mudslide in Oklahoma. And then we just have to wait for the AP to pick it up. I mean, it's it's just kind of, it's worrisome.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good point. And um, I just want to talk about really quickly how uh, overflowing this topic has become. Because <laughs> I was just watching uh, Adventure Time, which is a cartoon on Cartoon Network. And it's... It's always been a little bit like a bit for adults and everything like that. It's not always been about for kids, but one one of the most recent episodes was called "Blank Eyed Girls," and the episode was where Jake is fighting. Um, he's he, Jake, the one of the main characters, is really upset because another character, Starchy, has a talk show radio. Uh, where he perpetuates conspiracy theories and. <laughs> he straight
0: up says conspiracy theories.
1: Yeah, he actually straight up says that, I have new conspiracy theories. And Jake is like, why is he always doing this baloney? And so um, it's funny because this is a kids' show, but it's like, it's that ubiquitous in our culture at this point that we talk about the media and that we talk about what fake news is and so towards the end of the episode um they decide that these blank-eyed girls they're kind of like scary ring-like creatures that like
0: demons they're like demons
1: that follow people around and they finally realize that these blank-eyed girls are physical manifestations of concentrated collective thought and yeah, they, what
0: is it they don't exist unless enough people believe in them? Yeah,
1: they don't exist unless enough people believe right. in them. And that it's was perfect. one of the most deep and reasoned things that I have seen or heard or read about what's going on in our media right now. Like the more people that believe something, the more true it is not that there's been extensive journalistic integrity like gone behind this and they've talked to three primary sources and all this kind of stuff it's about who believes it and how many people believe it and mm-hmm. that's coming from top down that's that's trump to mm-hmm. us i mean
0: is- yeah i mean that's that's it, it's such a great metaphor especially for you know kids to see early on and hopefully kind of ingrain because i mean it, it comes to what we're we're talking mm-hmm. about the more Trump says respected news sources are fake news with his you know his group his supporters you already believe that it's just they're going they're going to manifest this demon
1: mm-hmm. exactly yeah. and what uh, what I loved about the episode was that it wrapped up about this demon and the demon kind of unclothed itself and it was something else completely different and the the Nobody knew what the demon was They couldn't name what it really was But yeah. what Finn said Which is the other kind of hero in the story He said I say that creepy Because creepy was the word they were using for these demons I say that creepy is just another label We use to distance ourselves From stuff we don't understand Or that reminds us of something In ourselves that we're not comfortable with It just ain't an actual thing Unless you choose to believe it So I think that's what's going on right now. It's the choice of belief and what's important to you. And sometimes it's based on alternate facts.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So that about wraps up our (laughs) very brief discussion on such a crazy big topic. Um, But uh, so what do you think about the wine?
1: It was pretty good, actually. I I liked it a lot. How about you?
0: yeah a little bit smoother than our first uh, podcast went
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's for sure so how many how many paul giamatis would you give it
0: Ooh, um i'd give it about four paul giamatis four
1: out of five
0: i'll give it four paul giamatis
1: i would give it four paul giamatis too actually yeah mm-hmm. it was good for the price and for the for the consistency it's not so bad
0: so that's paired with politics with dick and logan mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, thanks for joining us, and uh, look for us next week.
0: There'll be more freewheeling,
1: freewheeling <laughs> political discussions over a bottle of wine.